Well, amen and amen. If you are redeemed, say amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. May we never take that for granted. I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Now, we are at the point in this study where hopefully we as a whole, at least the majority of us here, we have hopefully taken an honest look at our walk with Christ. How stubborn are we willing to be with God? Really ask that question. How stubborn are you willing to be with God? Everyone understands and everyone has, uh, everyone knows somebody who's stubborn in their life. Amen. Amen. Look to your husband and be like, amen. And then you look back and say, amen. Right? And I know that I tell a lot of stories on, on my daughter and, and it's always River because here at this point, Ridley has done no wrong yet in this world. Uh, but River has done plenty of wrong. Amen. But either way, my daughter, listen, she is stubborn. We would, uh, we had dinner one night and, and, uh, we had this, uh, it was delicious. Uh, Heather made this, this, this thing with like taco meat and, and bread and, and, you know, just, it was absolutely delicious. And so we give her some and she loves tacos. There's nothing wrong with the food. And, and man, she sat there and, and she's just, I, I, I don't want it. I know she's hungry because she's my child. I mean, she's like, I don't want it. And I'm like, you're going to have to eat this. And you know how, like, as a parent, you're like, man, I'm going to have to actually make this into something. I'm going to have to take a stand. We're going to have to teach a lesson here. But I really just don't want to do this right now. Have you ever been there? I mean, that's kind of where I was at. So just please eat this food. She's like, I don't want to. She'd be like, you know, huh. You ever seen River do that? Be like, oh, your daddy said not to do that. She goes, huh. And she goes, you're mean. I'm like, girl, you don't even know me. But anyway, so she refused to eat it. I'm sitting here. I'm like, sweetie, if you just eat this food, it'll make you strong. You'll build muscle. I was like, and we'll have a good night. I was like, but if you do not eat this food, you're going to go to bed hungry. She's like, mm, you're mean. Now, listen, I sat there and looked, and I looked at her. I said, she is so stoned. I'll have you know that she sat at that table for like an hour and a half after dinner. And the entire time, you could just hear her whimpering. She's like, oh. And I'm just watching TV like, ah, shh, my TV show's on. And she's like, ah. but she sat there. Listen, you say, well, that's because she's a child. Well, hold up. It may not be dinner that we're talking about in the church. It may not be brushing your teeth, hopefully, in the church. It may not be going to bed on time in the church. But it, what it could very well be is that we refuse to eat the meal that is set before us in God's word. And we sit there with our arms crossed and we sit there in our stubbornness and our stiff neckness and we say, well, you know what? I'm not going to change my life. Well, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm not going to listen to what that said because if I do that, then I've got to change what I like and what I want. We better be careful. How stubborn are we willing to be with God? Jonah had to go all the way to the belly of the fish before he finally turned back to the Lord. It is in the belly of the fish where God's billows and waves passed over him. The depths were all around him. Jonah had no doubt in his mind this was his watery grave. It was over. It took at that moment, at that instance, in that situation, for him to turn his eyes back to the Lord on his holy hill. You say, what are you trying to say this morning? What I'm trying to say is 
understand that you may not be in a physical belly of a fish, but God will get your attention. Can I tell you this? As much as river uh, annoys me, ignores me, that's what I meant to say. (laughs) As much as she ignores me, listen, I'm going to get her attention. You know why? Because I'm her daddy. I don't care how many times I can say, river, 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 look at me, look at me. When she's doing this right here, I'm sitting there impatient as a father. River, look at me. River, look at me. You know why? Because I got information that will help her. She may not want to receive it. She may not want to hear it, but I'm going to give it to her. Why? Because she's my daughter. You see how God does that for us? Listen, God will get your attention. He is a long-suffering God. Amen, church. But it was there where Jonah looked back to God. It was there where he got a renewed focus, a restored gratitude, a recommissioning. So if you are running away from God, what will it take? Let me encourage you of this this morning. Please hear me. You say encouragement. Wow, this is a new thing on Sunday morning. Just take the encouragement. It doesn't have to take the belly of the fish. It doesn't have to take rock bottom for God to get your attention. You do not have to be stubborn with the Lord. I truly believe with all my heart, I'm not trying to impose in a text, but I've already said this before. I truly believe that if Jonah would have said, you know what? This is my sin. This is my issue. God, you told me to go to Nineveh. You told me you gave me a command and I have rejected that command. I have deliberately disobeyed. God, would you forgive me? I believe with all my heart, knowing the God from Genesis to Revelation, that the, the storm would have calmed and he had still been recommissioned. He didn't have to go into the sea. He could have just gone to the Lord. The Bible tells us we can humble ourselves. Look at James 4.10 right here. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. A pastor friend of mine uh, made a point, and it was a point right there in, in, in of itself. And, and it, but the way he told me, it, it, just, it, it has changed the way I look at the scripture, because obviously this scripture is a pretty quoted scripture in church. But he said this, I would much rather be humbled by myself than humbled by the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Will you humble yourself? Now, we get to a whole different portion of this story. And again, to this point, Jonah has done all he could to not go to Nineveh. He has done everything. He has literally, he has ran the opposite direction. He has paid to get on a boat. He has fallen asleep trying to ignore a storm. He has cast lots, and again, God has exposed them uh, when, when that happened. Then he, he, he had to come clean, and he was tossed into the sea. He thought that he was going to die in the sea, and then he was swallowed up by a big fish, and, and in the belly of the fish, uh, looked back to the Lord. He has done everything he could possibly do to not go to Nineveh. That's about to change, Amen. See, now he is following God's voice. Now he is back on mission. And we see how God's will shall come to pass. I want you to know something. God's will will be done, amen? Now listen, I'm I'm a firm believer. I want to be a part of it. But it's going to be done whether I'm a part of it or not. I I love when people, they, they, they... they, uh, they'll come to church and 
Man, they'll get excited and then they, then this thing called church drama or church hurt happens and they leave church and, and then all of a sudden they see me and they say, Hey, what are you doing now? I'm like, I'm preaching. They're like, where at? I'm like, Cedar Grove. They're like, no, I'm like, yeah. And guess what? Ministry has continued to happen since you've been gone. Now that, that may sound mean and you may say, well, you don't care about your people. No, 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 no. Listen, I care more about you than you think. Okay. I lose, you see these white hairs. You see them? If you can't see them, then you're blind because they're there. Okay? Those, I can name those. And each of them have one of your names. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Listen, I do care. But I care enough to tell you that it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. I want to be a part of God's will. Whether or not it's what I want. So anyway, before we saw the danger of saying no to God, and now we're going to see the impact of saying yes to God. So we're going to look at uh, chapter 3. And if you're there, say, read. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, destroyed. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works and they turned that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, God, that there can be impact when we say yes. Lord, I thank you that you are long-suffering towards us. But God, this morning, I pray where there's pride, I pray that pride is broken down. Lord, I pray that through your word of caution, through your word of warning, through your word of challenging us as believers, God, I pray that we don't wait until we are in the belly of the fish, but God, we humble ourselves now so you may lift us up. And God, I pray that when you do lift us up, God, that in that lifted up state, all we do is point others to you and your glory. So Father, I pray that those that have ears to hear, let them hear. I pray, God, if there's somebody here who is running away, may they come back home. I pray if there's somebody here who is lost, may today they be saved by the powerful name of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. And amen. What happens when you get recommissioned? What happens when you say yes to God? Well, first off, we see that when you say yes to God, God gives direction. God gives direction. Look at verse 1 and 2 one more time. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Isn't that a really cool scripture right there? In other words, God didn't give up. He said, you know, hey, I got, I got a message for you to preach and it hasn't changed. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. 
Now, notice God didn't leave Jonah just vomited out on the beach. Could you imagine Jonah getting back uh, back right with God and, and then the fish? And, and I don't know how, this would be really cool. I don't know if it would ever be able to happen. But if we could actually see this actually happen, could you imagine being on the beach? Let's say you're in uh, Panama City, right? Now, obviously, it wasn't Panama City, okay? But let's just say it was Panama City. And you're just, you know, you're doing your thing. You're laying out there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how y'all be laying out for so long. My skin uh, gets in, it gets impacted by the sun. Some of y'all's doesn't, uh, but mine does. I lay out for 10 minutes and I am red. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, ter- but my wife can lay out for like literally two days straight. I'm like going to dinner without her, eating breakfast without her. I'm like, where you at, baby? I'm just laying out, having a good time. It's crazy. But anyway, Panama City Beach, you're doing whatever you do on the beach. And all of a sudden this big old fish just kind of pops his head out. And then they might be, Jonah might have been little, little purging. Blah! And then Jonah's just sitting on the beach. Could you imagine if that's where it ended? I'm just, hey, uh, what's up, man? Oh, nothing. I disobeyed God. But I'm right with him again. Hey, you want to jump in the water again? You got some throw up, some fish throw up on you, man. You got some of that stuff on your head still. I just might sit here. Listen, how silly would that be? That'd be ridiculous. That's not where God left him, though. That's not, God didn't say, okay, great, I'm glad you're back. You're back right with me, so so you can just sit there for the rest of your life. That's not what he says. He put him to work. Notice verse 10 of chapter 2, and I don't have it on the screen, so it's okay. But it said, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and he vomited out Jonah upon a dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Now, we don't know what the timing is there, but we do know this. He had to leave the beach. Even though he was right with God, he was still had work to do. It's important to note again how similar verse 1 and 2 of chapter 3 is with chapter 1 of verse 1 and 2. We just read that. Now, the word of the Lord in chapter 1, this is the first time, came into Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. Some believers think that when they repent and get back in right fellowship with God, that they just do nothing for a long time. Well, you know, I've been out of, I've been out of church or I've been out of God's will or I've been out of, you know, doing what I know I should be doing, been out of His word, been out of prayer, been out of communication and and fellowship with the saints and, and, but, but I'm back now, but just, you know, I don't really want to dive into anything yet. I need to rest. I I need to sit around for about 24 more years and, 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 but just know that I'm right with God. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Listen, I'm all about some rest. Right? I went on vacation in June. You know that because after, after that, when I got back, it was crazy, 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 crazy. You know what I'm saying? But, man, I went there to rest. Resting is okay. I got a pastor friend, uh, Brother Travis Humes. You, you know him. Uh, he'll be preaching, I think, I don't know if it's this Wednesday or next Wednesday, a three-message series on biblical rest. That's, a, that's a, something that we need to know about. But I tell you this, sometimes we can turn rest into a crutch. Sometimes we can turn, well, you know, I used to, I just got burnt out and I got tired, but, 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 but now, you know, now I'm right and I just want to be a part. I just want to watch everyone do everything. Listen, that's not how it happens. I don't know how long it was, but it wasn't too long that, that God spoke to Jonah a second time saying, hey, the command has not changed. Go preach my message. Well, I just want to enjoy myself at church. Well, you should enjoy serving the Lord. 
I don't want to say, duh. I don't know if it's a complicated situation there, but duh. You should enjoy that. Uh, I'm just going to take it easy. Well, how easy? You know, people are dying and going to hell, right? You know, I get convicted. I, I, let me tell you. I walked into 7-Eleven. I think it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. Was it Monday, really? I walked into 7-Eleven, you know, because it was Labor Day, so we were going to go play some disc golf, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and we walked into and I'll be honest with you, that morning I was a little bit irritated. And I don't know if you ever get irritated in the morning. Do y'all ever get irritated in the morning? Y'all irritated right now, hush. All right, anyway, so I went to 7-Eleven, and I was going to go buy me a, a energy drink, right, because I was like, man, I want to go enjoy myself playing disc golf, and I want just to, you know, I just want to just, just throw it as hard as I can kind of thing, just, you know. So I was going to go get me a little sugar-free monster kind of thing, whatever. I didn't. I got water. But anyway, I walk in, and, and uh, man, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to go do my business. I want to get in, get out, and go do what I want to do. Has, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? There's your hand. Okay, thank you. I walk in, I have a, our youth shirt that says venerate. Because we had that veneration camp one year. And I'm walking in, and the guy goes, hey, man, what's on your shirt? Because it is kind of a weird word. And I said, I looked down, I was like, oh. I could not. I said, well, man, this is venerate. He's like, what does that mean? I had to look down. You know what I'm saying? He has a definition shirt. I was like, well. <laughs> but no, I said, it's, it's to revere and respect the Lord and, and worship him, honor him. He's like, man, that's really cool. I'm like, yeah. I said, do you know the Lord? He's like, yeah, man. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's cool. And there's two ladies. I said, hey, ladies, y'all know the Lord? And uh, one of them said no. Well, I was able to minister to that person. I was able to minister to both of them, plus the other guy. Right? He goes to church somewhere else. I forgot exactly where he said, but it wasn't in Lebanon. And so I got to hand out cards. Speaking of which, I got to hand out cards. And, uh, man, I'm telling you what, here, here's the thing. Hand out a card. I'm, obviously, I'm not going to say any more details, but it was it broke my heart because of the misunderstanding of what it is to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? And I walked out of there, and I had a young man. I don't know if you know him or not, but his name's Zach. And uh, he was like, bro. I was like, what? He was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I've never seen that happen. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, they just asked you. What was your shirt? And then you had a whole gospel conversation with like, that was the coolest thing ever. Like he was like on a high, you know what I'm saying? Like no, no energy needed, just the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you say, well, what are you even talking about? Well, let me explain something to you. I went in with the, listen, I'm right with God, right? Now, now granted, I had to, I had to walk in repentance, but I'm not, I'm not running from God in my life. Okay. Right. I, I'm not trying to live in weakness, wickedness or evil. But in that moment, God convicted me. You are never able to take off from being a born again believer in Jesus Christ. You are always on mission. No matter what, I don't care if you walk in 7-Eleven and get a drink. I don't care if you walk and get gas. I don't care what you do. You are always on mission. And man, it convicted me all over because I was thinking, I told Zach, I, I was transparent. I said, buddy, I want, I want you to know something. I went in that. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I wanted to go in, go out, but God had different plans. Let me explain something to you. If you have gotten right with God and you think, well, I'm just going to sit around and take a break for the rest of my life, God has different plans for you. 
And you would be surprised that the plans that he has for you looks pretty similar to when you were first right with the Lord. You don't have to get all creative. Just listen to the Lord. Can I remind you that we don't have time to take it easy? We've got to get going. Verse 2, God tells Jonah to preach what he told Jonah to preach. God does not call, someone told me this a long time ago. God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. I wish you could have been here when I first started preaching. Man, it was, it was raw. I'm talking, it was, I had boots. As a matter of fact, there's a little hole over here somewhere while I stomp. Y'all remember my stomping days? Y'all do, I'd be like, yeah, it's ugly. I'm glad we didn't have live stream back then, you know what I'm saying? But, but listen, he doesn't uh, call the equipped, he equips the called. Now, how does that translate today? Well, understand, listen, just like God told Jonah, hey, go and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. The message that we are to preach is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's not just the message that I preach. It's not just the message that a teacher or a group leader preaches. It is the message that we all as believers preach That means to proclaim openly and publicly the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our message is the gospel. We are all called to preach that message. Now, here is where it takes the turn. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey. Before he fled. Before he went the opposite way, literally got on a boat and tried to go as far away as possible from God's call in his life. Here, he goes to Nineveh. Can I tell you how to, uh, how to, uh, and, and this is not foolproof, right? Because people are good fakers in the church, Amen. You can't fake God. He will not be mocked. What you hey, what you sow is what you'll reap. Amen. But you may be able to fool me or somebody else. I've been fooled many times. I don't know about y'all. But but notice right here that when we're sitting here and we're seeing that that Jonah arose and he's going to Nineveh, he is not saying this in a way that is bitter anymore. He is not now. Now we're going to find later on that that you know he actually gets down and 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 we'll really find that he has a lot of emotional highs and lows just like we do. But you can spot a believer who has gotten out of God's will, but has repented and gotten back in God's will by their obedience to God's will. We we have this thing in the church to where we say, well, we got to give it time. And listen, hey, we ought to prove everybody, right? We we ought not just let anyone teach or let anyone lead or let anyone speak, all that stuff. I get that. But people that get right back with God, listen, if God forgives them, so ought we. Doesn't mean we're not careful, doesn't mean we're not cautious, but it does mean that we desire to serve God with them no matter what. So right here, understand this. Depending on where Jonah's starting point was, It was at least 500 miles to Nineveh, 500 miles to Nineveh. Now, by camel or donkey, okay, anyone rode a camel or donkey, 500 miles? I don't like to drive to Nashville in a car going 70 miles per hour, you know what I'm saying? 500 miles by camel or donkey, it would take about, you're looking at about a month's journey. 
Or if he's on foot, obviously a little bit longer, right? That's a long time, right? I mean, some of y'all already think, my legs are hurting right now. But I see you. My legs are hurting right now just thinking about it, right? Listen, hey, mine too. That's a long, that's a difficult journey. That's not something that, that, that we would want to do. Amen. I'm not trying to walk, I'm not trying to walk or ride a camel for 500 miles. So what's the big deal with this? Why are you making this such a, such a thing? God may have recommissioned him, but the mission was no less difficult. See, we got to get out of our minds that, that when, when we get back right with the Lord and we repent of our sin and we turn back to him, we turn our eyes and our focus and our gratitude back towards him. We think, oh, well, you know what? Now that I know better, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to get into the drama. I'm not going to get into all the, all the conflict. I'm not going to get into all the tension. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to sit here in my little comfortable seat, and I'm going to do nothing. Let me explain something to you. The call to be an obedient, faithful child of God is a call to a difficult life. It's a blessed life. It's a life abundant. But it's not easy to live for Jesus in a world that hates Jesus. It's not easy to live and serve a church that is full of people that are, that are, uh, that, that are uh, in sin and, and bitter and, 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 and just like us, imperfect. But yet we say, well, you know what? I'm not going to make that mistake again. I was told something uh, by a very close friend. Just because someone's broken your trust before, do not close that trust and that friendship and fellowship to somebody God puts in your life later. So just because you've been hurt, just because you maybe have been angered or, 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 or offended, do not allow that to keep you from obeying God's call to minister to others through Jesus. Are you with me this morning? But remember, he had a renewed focus. He was living on mission. Church, we so easily get distracted. I mean, I'm talking about I get distracted. Have you ever seen me try to clean my office? I get distracted. Usually I leave the office dirtier than it was when I started cleaning it. Why? Because I, I, I start thinking about something and all of a sudden I'm doing that, you know, I'm doing whatever I was thinking about and then, 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 then I'm, I'm like, oh, that was cool. Now let me go in here and work on this. And before I know it, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. God gives us direction. Go here, do this, preach the gospel. You say, that sounds good for Jonah. I'm not talking to Jonah. We're talking to you. It's very simple. Go here. You say, go where? Wherever God leads you. At work? At home? At the gym? At the gas station? Shopping? Go there. Do this. Well, do what? Preach the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that you stand at the, at the opening of Marshalls and, and scream, hey, condemnation is coming. Turn, turn or burn. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as you are going, make disciples. Amen. And we let the difficulty of the situation get us off track. But when you've been where Jonah's been, you quickly realize the long, difficult trip to Nineveh. Listen here. The long, difficult trip to Nineveh is better than the belly of the fish. I'm sure that Jonah, after thinking that he was in his watery grave, took delight in taking that month journey to those wicked people to preach God's message. We ought to take delight. When God gives direction, our best option is to trust and obey. Now, look at the end of verse 3. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Now, do not lose me here. We're going to kind of go into this a little bit. Remember, this book is actually not about Jonah. 
Do you realize that this, this book is not about the characters in the book? This book is about God. This is God's word, right? All the characters either show examples of people glorifying God or not glorifying God. So, so, so right here we see that this book is about God, and we look at the phrase, it says, an exceeding great city. Now, there is more to this than meets the eye. That phrase literally means a great city to God or a great city before God. Now, you say, what, what, what does that mean? I don't understand. Well, even though they were enemies of God's people, even though they were heathen and pagan, even, even though they worshiped false idols and were extremely violent, God still cared for the people of Nineveh. Isn't that good? Never forget that God created everyone in his image. Not just the person sitting beside you, not just the person that you love. God created everybody in his image. And God cares for everybody. You say, well, how do you know? Because he sent his son Jesus for whosoever, for everybody. Nineveh was important to God. Therefore, he sent Jonah. The lost are important to God. Therefore, he sends you and I. Three days journey. That's how long it took or it would take Jonah to travel through the city. Right? Remember, that's on foot or, you know, and, and so all the suburbs and all the marketplaces, all the things in Nineveh, it was a very big city. It would take him three days to properly do the mission trip. So let's see what happens next. Look at verse four. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He is in Nineveh. He's preaching God's message of warning. He's obeying the Lord. We see that God gave direction, and he took the direction. Now, what else happens when you say yes to God? Well, God will give results. Look at verse five through nine again, and we're going to so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. We're going to stop right there for right now. Now, it may have taken three days to get all through the city, but a movement of God started on day one. These violent heathens believed what Jonah said. Forty days. Forty days and we'll be overthrown. They believed that God would judge them, and as the preacher preached on that judgment, they responded. Hear me. Hear me right now. You say, well, I don't like the, the, the judgment kind of preaching. Who are you, preacher, to judge me? Well, don't talk about my sin, preacher. That's my business. Listen, if I, if I, heaven or hell, listen, I understand you care, but just don't worry about me. You do realize there are ways that I, this church could grow very quickly depending on how I preached. I'm not ignorant of that. I could come up in here with my ripped jeans. I don't have it. I have to go buy some just to make that clear. Or, or skinny jeans. I definitely don't have any of those. I will have to tell on Heather real quick. I'm skinny jeans. So we were, uh, I don't know how old we were. I don't know if we were married or just about to get married. And she said, Jake, you ever try skinny jeans? I was like, nah, dude. I don't do that. No. No, I wear, I wear a boot cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was trying to be all big and bad. She said, well, let's just see what happens. So I'm, th I'm, I'm, I'm dating this beautiful girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, we about to get married. I'm like, you know what? God said to not compromise. 
But in this situation, I might have to see what happens. Well, we got some express, uh, like, the you know, nice skinny jeans. And, uh, man, I wore them one time. I'm just like, I, don't, I, just, I just don't know. I don't know if I like this. And she's like, oh, no, I think they look good. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so we went out and did what we did and stuff. And then I got back home and I remember she said, yeah, they're kind of skinny. Because I had chicken. And I was like, oh, okay. Never warm again. So we had them the other day. Not the other day. It was like a few years ago. I've gotten a little bit uh, thicker in, in the years. Again, y'all's fault. I'm just kidding. Um, but so, so anyway, so we, we found them. You know how you go through things and you find like, like the, the artifacts of your life, you know? And she said, look at these. I'm like, ain't no way. She said, try them on. I said, no, I only wear boot cut. Man, let me just tell you something. I said, just for you, baby, because you're pretty. And so I went like this one here. I, I put it on, and man, it did not get to mid-calf. <laughs> and I'm like, now listen, if you wear skinny jeans, I love you and so does the Lord, okay? It, to each his own. Does that make sense? But for this dude, I just, it just wasn't working. So, so you sit there and you say, where did that even come from? Oh, that's where it came from. I'm glad that note was there. Sugar-coated preaching will get a sugar-coated response. If I come up here and, and man, hey, God loves you no matter what. You just keep on doing what you're doing. You know why? Because God loves you to the point he's not going to make you change. Why? Because God loves you. God doesn't require any, any difference in your life. He just wants you to love Jesus and love others. Well, you know what you'll get? You'll get a lot of people thinking they can go and sin and love Jesus just the same. Sugar-coated sugar preaching will get sugar-coated response. Jonah would not, was not sugar-coated. <laughs> he said 40 days in this city right here will be overthrown. You better turn from your wicked ways. You better turn from your evil. God is going to do what God said he'll do. See, the Ninevites immediately, they heard this and they believed that God would do that. They believed what God's man was saying. So they proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth. Both of these were outward symbols of inward contrition and humiliation. And look, nobody was exempt. Look at verse five. From the greatest of them, even to the least of them. Nobody was exempt. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the lowly people. It wasn't just the middle class. It was everybody. You say, well, well, well how much of everybody? Well, look at verse 6. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. He took off his royal attire and covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. Now, this was a sign of sorrow and repentance. Sitting in ashes was a sign of helplessness. God's word has a way of equalizing the playing field. I want you to know, I know there's a lot of people who say, well, you know what? If that would happen in America, things would get done. The church would be no different. Our government can legislate obedience to the Lord all, all, all they want to. Obedience cannot be forced to the Lord. Let me just say, if I could legislate, I would already have done that. Let me just let you know. But, but 
as much as we say, well, you know, if, if, if the government said, hey, we're, we're now a Christian nation and again, and everyone has to do a fast and this and that. Listen, we say, oh, now we'd be a Christian. No, 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 no. What makes a Christian nation are the Christians in that nation. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, just because the king, and by the way, if you look at the history, it wasn't too long after that, that they were back being the enemies of God's people. They were back in their violence. They were back in what they were doing. Why? Because you cannot legislate a relationship with the Lord. Now, do I think it's a bad thing what the king did? Absolutely not. Would I love if our government did that? Absolutely. That, duh. I mean, how cool would that be? But he took off his royal attire and covered himself. Church, the gospel is for all of us. Salvation is available to all, rich, poor, royalty, or common. But there's only one door, and that's Jesus. Don't care how rich you are, you cannot buy your way in. I don't care how how high standing you are or how influential you are, you're not going to talk your way in. It's only through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Look at verse 7 and 8. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. What a change. What a response. The king wasn't messing around, was he? He believed Jonah's message to the point that he, again, legislated obedience. Why? See, that word repent can also be translated relent. I know you might be reading that and think, oh, no, if God repents, that means that God has done something wrong. No, you got to look, you got to study that word repent. Understand, God can do no wrong. God has no reason ever to repent of any sin or any wrongdoing. So right here, that word repent can also be translated, and really probably should be translated, relent. It is not that God changed. His declaration was to turn, was for them to turn from their wicked ways. If they did not, they would perish. But if they did, God would not destroy them. Now that's where we see when you say yes to God, not only does he give direction, not only does he give results, but God will give mercy. Look at verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil. He relented of the evil that he had said that he, had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. You said, that's not fair. The Ninevites, they were wicked. They were pagan. I mean, that's not fair. I told you already, God is not fair. God is just, and God is loving, and God is righteous. He gives no partiality. So how is it fair that in our wickedness, in our evil, God saved us but won't save somebody else? How is that fair? But in our minds, we think, well, I didn't do what they did. No, you just didn't sin as openly as they do. But your sin had you condemned already from the start, and it was only by Jesus that you would be able to be delivered from that condemnation and shown mercy and shown grace. 
So instead of us looking at others because they sin differently and thinking, ah, well, you know what, forget them. We need to start thinking, hey, I'm going to preach the message and whosoever shall come to the Lord. Hey, guess what? We're going to celebrate that. God gives mercy. Again, that word repented is the same word found in verse 9. God had compassion seeing their turn from evil. Therefore, he did not destroy them. If this is hard to understand, again, think of your own salvation. Look at John uh, 3. It says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world was already condemned. You understand that? No more condemnation was needed. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So it's not when you got saved that God said, oh, well, you know, that, that you're right. I, I was wrong in, in, in condemning you for your sins, so I'm sorry. I'm going to repent. Would you forgive me? And you're saved. That's not what goes down. What goes down is because you have accepted the way and the truth and the life who is Jesus, because God has set it up in the plan from the beginning has been such, he relents from that condemnation of your soul. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That, 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 that right there, that's, that's really awesome. So Jonah was obedient. The entire city of Nineveh at least displayed repentance. Now this bears the question. Did they all really get saved? Did they really all accept the Lord? Was this true repentance? History caused Nineveh to have remained a wicked people. As a matter of fact, in, in, in the history of those people and, and where they are now, there is no uh, recording of a great revival to Jehovah. You say, well, then it's not true. No, no, no. For a pagan nation, that would have been embarrassing. So it did happen because God said so. But see, what they did historically is they, they took that out so that no one would ever see that. Well, the, the, the issue with that is we got this Bible. <laughs> and we have the true uh, history and the true record of what happened. And, and the entire city of Nineveh at least had a fast and put on sackcloth and turned from their wicked ways. Now, how could the entire city truly believe anyway? Weren't they just trying to get out of judgment? Well, isn't that... What the king said himself, I mean, look at verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Now, there's three things that I believe we can see here and we need to take away for our ministry today. First off, to respond to God's word in repentance is to receive God's word. Secondly, obviously, that's what they did. God is not mocked, amen? I've already said that today. God, God is not mistaken. God, you, you, you can't put blinders on the Lord and, and act like he, he, oh, well, don't look at this. Or, or, or don't look at my heart now, but look at my outward. No, 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 that's not what happened. But, but look at what God said. And God saw their works. And they turned from their evil way. Now, you think if it wasn't an actual turn, at least for this generation and this people, if you, don't, if you don't think that it was an actual turn, why would you think God would just be like, well, they're faking it, but I, whatever. Absolutely not. There was, a, there was a true turn 
from evil. Thirdly, our job as God's people is not to question the response. It's to disciple the responders, but not to question the response. Listen, fake will show fake sooner or later. Amen. True will remain true forever. Are you with me? But our job is to make the response possible. We do that by saying yes to God. I have a, I'll never forget this from my entire life. I did FCA at one of the middle schools here in town. And there's about, I don't know, 40 or 50 kids there. It was not Carol Oakland. There's another one they called me to do. And, and uh, I'm just giving a gospel presentation, man. I'm talking, it's just a very simple gospel presentation. I think I was going to a first to me 412 with the gospel, right? Whenever I go somewhere first, that's what I, that's what I do. Because I love that scripture. Well, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, they're, they're not listening. Like, you know, a few of them in the back are like playing, you know, hitting each other and stuff. And they're quiet, but it's like, I just could, you know, uh, you know, how, I don't know if you know or not, but sometimes you just kind of like, uh, no one's listening, right? Well, foolish me was thinking that my discernment was greater than the Lord's. <laughs> well, I gave the invitation and I said, now, listen, if you gave your heart to Christ, I said, keep your, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't want to embarrass you. I said, raise your hand. I'll have you know, out of the 40 or 50, about 40 or 50 raised their hand. Now, I'm looking at this, and I, my spirit instantly wants to, like, do a cartwheel. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. We're about to change the school. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is about to be flipped upside down. I'm looking at the teachers. They're like, I'm like, well, school's about to start. I can't minister to all of you right now. I was like, but hey, listen, you need to go to your teacher. You need to go to your FCA leader, whatever. And man, I'll never forget, I took my, 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 my patch off and my little welcome thing sticker. And I, I wrote the date and I wrote how many gave their life to Christ. And man, I was so excited. And instantly, instantly when I got my car, I got attacked in my spirit. Man, you know that wasn't real. You know it wasn't. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wish it was, though. And you know it's not, though. Well, about two weeks later, one of the ladies that went to the school came to me and said, I just want you to know that I don't know if anyone actually got saved there because they're living the same exact way. Isn't it funny how a child realizes that if you get saved, there's a change in your life, and if there's not, you probably didn't get saved? And it discouraged me even more. And then I, I kept on thinking about it, and I even put the sticker on my little uh, little thing in the car, and I, I constantly looked at it. I'm sitting there, and I just took it off. I was like, oh, just mad. And then instantly, God, God convicted me. I'm like, hmm. Out of the 40 or 50 that raised their hand, I never want confusion. Absolutely not. But if one raised their hand out of true repentance and faith, I'd do it a thousand more times. <laughs> you say, what about Nineveh? If one pagan repented and turned from their evil to the good, good father, let me just tell you something. Jonah ought to preach every day. In your life, if one person, if those people that you're trying to preach to in your life and trying to really lead and guide, if one, if it just takes one person, it's worth it. So let me ask you, has God given you direction? Are you fleeing or are you going? Are you saying yes or no? It may not be an immediate as day one like Jonah here. 
And we get that. You know how we have events and we're like, hey, this day's going to be great. And we're building up to a great harvest. It was day one for Jonah. It may not be like that for us. But God will bless obedience. I wonder who in your life needs mercy. And the final question for this morning. Are you chapter one, Jonah? Or chapter three, Jonah? With heads bowed and eyes closed off of this place.